Moin. Colleen. I don't know if anybody can hear me. Hey. Hear a word. I can hear you. Daniel should be on, and this is Dave. I'll be uh, won't be able to make it tonight, but Daniel is going to be the host, and and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a great call. I hope you guys can hear me. Yeah, we can hear you. I can. We can hear you. Daniel, are you there? Hey, hey. Hey, I'm going to hop off. It's all yours. This is, how all right. in court. this is How to Win in Court Without a Liar, and Daniel Joseph is the host tonight. And it's going to be a good call. Thanks, Daniel, for doing this. All right. Thanks for getting us on. I couldn't get on any other way. Yeah, I was uh, just uh, lucky because I left my uh, left my phone. <laughs> so, well, thank you for doing it. Is there anybody on the call? There are folks on the call. Yes. <laughs> hey, all right, all guys. Right. Enjoy the call. Thanks, Daniel. All right, Dave. Uh, well, greetings, everyone. So I'm covering for David, who is uh, with family. I don't know what he told you. Um, so this is David's call, How to Win in Court Without a Liar, tonight. Um, I have uh, some things prepared for you. Can everybody hear me just fine? Yes. Oh, greetings. Great. Oh, I'm happy to be here. been working with David for, I don't know, almost a year now and uh, really enjoy our fellowship together. Tonight we're going to talk about social injustice and what we're supposed to do. Uh, if anyone has not seen social injustice, they're not looking around and they're living in a cave. So to start off tonight, I'm going to go to the book of the law, and I'm going to read a few passages from the book of the law just to get the juices flowing before I dive into a word that's not been used much lately that's going to describe the advent that we're seeing in front of us. And uh, for those of us that aren't living in a cave, we see social justice around us everywhere. So for a primer, for us to get ourselves in the juices flowing, so to say, here we go with a, a few minutes' worth of scriptures from the book of the law. And this is in response to the question, do we, as followers of the word of life, have any responsibility, any duty, any call of action, anything that we should be doing on relation to social injustice in our neighborhood or coming to a neighborhood near you? So here we go. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the mute 
for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Zechariah 7, 9, and 10. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you despise evil against another in your heart. Excuse me, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. Micah 6 through 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Romans 12, 15 through 18. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Matthew seven twelve. So whatever you do, excuse me, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. First John three seventeen and eighteen. But if anyone has the world's goods and see his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Leviticus 19, verse 15. You shall do no injustice in court. You should not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Amos 5.24, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Deuteronomy 16.20, justice and only justice you shall follow that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God has given you. Proverbs 14.31, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Proverbs 29.7, a righteous man knows the rights of the poor. A wicked man does not understand such knowledge. Mark eleven fifteen through 17. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be entitled a house of prayer, excuse me, shall be called the house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it den of thieves. And Luke 12:48, but the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from whom they trusted much, will they demand more. Today, we're living in a time, and this is a call to action, if you are afraid to be stirred up and if you like your slumber and your sleep and you are happy with uh, a bottle of wine, um, some drugs, and some TV, this is not the place for you tonight. You may go back to sleep because this is not what I'm doing tonight. I want to stir up a call for action. We need to be encouraged, and that's my purpose and my intent tonight is to call to action because uh, our neighbors are looking for the standard, and the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard, 
And I'm calling right now to my friends, my neighbors, my loved ones, those who are listening on this call that know me and know of my participation in the community. This is a call. It's an encouragement. I'm not I'm trying to lull you to sleep with, uh, with feigned words and, and, uh, and, and cause. This is not sleepy time tea. It's not chamomile tea. This is certainly a sharp word, I'm hoping tonight, to get us off and into action, get us off our couches and into action. Totalitarianism. It's a word that uh, has a, a good history uh, a couple of decades ago, maybe five or six. It's a proposed concept, says Wikipedia, used in academia and politics to describe a form of government and political system that prohibits all opposition parties, outlaws individual opposition to the state and its claims, and exercises an extremely high degree of control over public and private life. It is regarded as the most extreme and complete form of authoritarianism. In totalitarian states, a political power is often held by autocrats such as dictators and absolute monarchs who employ all-encompassing campaigns in which propaganda is broadcast by state-controlled mass media in order to control the citizenry. Now, that's pretty harsh. Who would want to believe that what comes over the television set is propaganda. The hell of vision don't lie. Those guys in there, you can hear it. If you listen to news here in California, you might hear it in Texas and in Alabama, and you might hear it in New Jersey, and they're all saying the exact same thing, just different puppets saying the exact same thing. Certainly they're not all lying, repeating that agenda, are they? Well, I suggest that this is, in fact, propaganda, if you haven't noticed it. What are you going to do about it? So to construct the topic of tonight, I'm going to summarize a 12-plus minute video that you can currently view online. Some of the things you might disagree, some of the things you might agree, but it's called How to Escape from a Sick Society. That's the name of the YouTube video that I'm pulling some of these concepts for. It gave me a great platform to kind of stir the pot here with our call to action tonight. And this, in that particular video, there was a quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn I'm not going to explain Alexander and his work on the Gulag, but if you know who it is, you'll appreciate the quote. If you don't, you can look him up later, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the Gulag Archipelago, and I probably said that wrong. And in that book, uh, literally, the Gulag Archipelago, he says, if, if we didn't love freedom enough, and even more, we had no awareness of the real situation, we hurried to submit. We submitted with pleasure. We purely and simply deserved everything that happened afterward. That just chills me to the bone because I know what happened afterward. And that's the question I'm asking you tonight. Do we love freedom enough? Are we having no awareness of the real situation? Are we hurrying to submit? And are we submitting with pleasure? And if so, Alexander's warning was, we purely and simply deserved everything that happened afterward. So in that video, the um, narrator talked about a number of ways to address what he said if you're viewing the potentiality of totalitarianism, what can be done? Well, he called the basic the shot three different things you can do. You can do the backward escape, the physical escape, and the forward escape. Now, the backward escape, that's pretty much what I talked about in the beginning, and I let everyone know 
if they feel like dropping off the call and if they don't want to be stirred up to action, that's going into the drugs, the alcohol, the movies, the videos, looking for a form of escape, some way to numb us down. We see what's happening around us, but it's, 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 uh, our soul is looking for some way of escape. This is the backward escape. We do it by drowning out those the situations and numbing us down with drugs and alcohols, movies and videos and the such like. That does nothing to prevent the rise of totalitarianism, uh, just so we can't, you know, making it so we can't see the dangers of life doesn't, uh, doesn't stop totalitarianism from occurring, doesn't stop the rise of the, the, the control over one's life to where it becomes so unbearable and we see the repeat of the history that we've seen in the past. And when I say repeat of history, I know that's something that people hear all the time, but if you want to just get a, a quick glimpse at the kind of repeat of history that I'm referring to, maybe in your off time, look up the concept of the Pied, Operation Pied Piper in Germany. I've spoken to a few, maybe, uh, maybe on this call might have heard me talk about it. But Germany, eight years prior to the propaganda machine um, enabling the minds of the weak to send their children away to the country, many of those families never to be reunited again, many of those children dying in boxcars, and who knows what other ungodly things happened to those children when they were removed out of the care and comfort and concern of their loving parents to leave that the cities in the uh, propaganda machine told them this was what's best for them. And if you look at uh, this, this, uh, the Pied Piper, Operation Pied Piper and its outworking in Germany and eventually the United Kingdom when these families were broken up and these orphan trains were created, you'll notice that uh, they used the Pied Piper. Remember the Pied Piper? got all the rats out of the town and went to back and get paid and they wouldn't pay him so he took all the children and brought them to uh, put them into a cave never to be seen again that's a thumbnail sketch of the of the fable eight years before this occurred in Germany where the children were removed from their families operation Pied Piper was set in motion go look at it oh by the way if you look at the videos of that day of the recorded videos all the children on those trains had a gas mask. They all were masked. Very, very interesting. And somebody provided them that mask. Somebody paid for those masks. Perhaps there is an agenda. Perhaps there is an unseen hand that we have to resist and that it's our call to action tonight. So the backwards escape is seeing all these things and numbing ourselves down. doesn't do any good. The physical escape, well, many are thinking about that. Well, maybe we should go to Peru, to Ecuador, to Costa Rica. Oh, maybe we should uh, find a way to duck and hide. Whereas I don't resist the value of the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on it and are punished, perhaps that's not practical for everybody. And it's only beneficial on the short term. It's not practical for everyone because some people are in a place where they, the control happens so fast that they may not be able to hop on a boat, hop on a plane, move out of a situation. Let's say you're stuck on an island out in the middle of nowhere, and that island begins to be overtaken by totalitarianism. You can't get away. You have to 
uh, endure it right there. So it's very, the physical escape may not be the answer long term. Um, and, and perhaps it's not an answer if the totalitarianism is planetary, meaning it's happened all over the place. Where are you going to go to? If it's happening here, it's happening there. So when that happens, the physical escape is not the answer either. It's only a matter of time and you'll be found out. So the, uh, the alternative to that presented on that video that I was talking to you about, if you want to look at it when you're um, on your own free time, how to escape from a sick society, he talked about the forward escape. So understanding the forward escape, we must recognize that compliance will only embolden and strengthen totalitarianism. If we comply with mandates for masks, if we comply to be jabbed with who knows what ungodly concoction that is unclean, certainly not blessed by any rabbinical council, certainly in violation of the scriptures on touching and partaking of the unclean thing, certainly in violation with our principles of having a knowledge of what we are putting in our bodies, those of us that eat organic foods and try to avoid pesticides and uh, things that are destructive to the body because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, certainly wouldn't be injecting unknown particulates in from a untrusted source. Someone said, well, don't you trust your government? Well, two things. Number one, no. And number two, absolutely no. First of all, they're not my government. Do you have a mouse in your pocket? What do you mean, our government, your government? I'm not, I'm not really understanding what you mean by those terms because the govern, you have to have consent. And I don't consent to death, decay, war machine, and an industrial military complex. Do you? So quit with the our government concept, realizing that there is only one king and only one government, only one law and only one lawgiver, and let's get ourselves back where we need to be, back in the place where our mind has that we have been renewed and our mind recognizes this and our heart follows as our mind is stayed on him and we have perfect peace in that position. So this particular video had a quote from Hannah Arendt, A-R-E-N-D-T, called The Origin of Totalitarianism, where she wrote, the most characteristic aspect of totalitarian terror is that it let loose it is let loose when all organized opposition has died down and the totalitarian ruler knows that he no longer need be afraid. For example, Stalin, Stalin started his gigantic purges not in nineteen twenty twenty eight when he conceded we have internal enemies, but in nineteen thirty four when all former opponents had confessed their errors. And Stalin himself and the 17th Party Congress declared there is nothing more to prove and it seems no one to fight. And that's when the trouble really begins. And we'll talk about that later on in my little monologue here. So noncompliance and civil disobedience are essential to counter totalitarianism. Yes, I'm actually telling you that your role in all this is noncompliance. Your role is civil disobedience to someone who is telling you to violate God's law and not to love your neighbor. That is your job. You want to know what the will of God is? 
I'm telling you the will of God tonight. It is to do these things. It is loving your neighbor as yourself. When we, we stand for these that have no voice, when we comfort the feeble-minded that have no ability to stand on their own and haven't done all to stand, we're going to stand. So this forward escape, it requires the potentiality of the construction of a parallel society. That's what we're talking about here. We've, I know that Dave, if he was here, would totally agree. We've been talking about our own society, the society of the, of the ones who are awake, the, the, the living, the, the body of Yeshua, the body of Christ. This is the alternative society. This is our society, and it is an alternative society. We don't stand for death, decay, carnage, destruction. We love our neighbor. This parallel society that we're talking about, that we are participating in with these calls and other calls like this, it, if, it offers pockets of freedom to those rejected by the system and refuse to participate in it. It forms a foundation for this new society that can grow out of the ashes of totalitarianism because it will, in fact, decay and crumble. It cannot stand. It won't stand. It never has. Um, there's a quote from <clears throat> Viclav Havel in a book called The Power of the, of the Powerless. And he says, when those who have decided to live within the truth have been denied any direct influence on the existing social structures, not to mention the opportunity to participate in them, and when those people begin to create what I've called the independent life of society, this independent life begins of itself to become structured in a certain way. These parallel structures do not grow out of a theoretical vision of systemic change. There are no political sects involved, but from the aims and the life of the authentic needs of the real people. In fact, there's a maxim of law that says it like this. The welfare of the people is the supreme law of the land. There are potentially innumerable ways to continue to contribute to the construction of a parallel society. I'm just going to name a few. One can build technologies that promote freedom. In fact, every year I attempt to get to the Tesla Tech Convention where there are promoters and, and inventors of alternative energy devices, alternative healing devices. And many of these inventors, because I've spoken to them personally, I wish I had the ability to understand the words that they say and the language they speak, and I hope that it rubs off on me. There's some incredible brainiac people there, but they all have shared with me, the ones I've spoken to, that they've known somebody that has, in, uh, interestingly enough, disappeared floating down the river, uh, sudden death, when he invented some phenomenal piece of equipment that would help society. They all know somebody. But... We must press on. We, can, we must persevere, and we must continue, and we, we should not be afraid of him that kills the body. We should not be afraid of him that could harm the flesh. We should rather fear God and not man. And that's my call to action. I'm not done yet, but on building technologies that promote freedom. Get on it if you have an idea that promotes freedom. This is not a time to wait. Don't, um, don't be concerned about your, uh, your minimum wage job if you have such. If you have technology 
to help society, now is the time to get it out. Another way is to promote institutions of voluntary exchange. Um, I have one that I've been attempting to put out for a while, but I'm not a computer programmer, and I've been talking with a computer programmer of mine, and it has to do with peer-to-peer -peer technology, and it's a concept that we create a society, not a Craigslist, that has a control of having to go through a server, but a peer-to-peer -peer technology where our society builds internally. You know, you tell a friend, they tell a friend, and so on, and eventually we have our society, and we don't accept blood money. We will not participate in that which has been tainted by the wars of men. We will trade amongst ourselves. We will trade our goods. We will participate in our exchanges, but without the blood money. Those are the types of things that can be done to come against totalitarianism. And how about run a business that resists mandates or unjust laws? Uh, there's, a, there's a preacher out there. He's called the, uh, the Dunkin' Donut preacher. I can't remember his name right now for the life of me, but he has not shut his church down, and he won't shut his church down. There's businesses that say, uh, no masks allowed. These are um, people that have recognized that it's not tomorrow, and we're not going to be sitting down and, and, leaving, um, and, and, and relying upon this thing called hope, which I'll get on later on in my little monologue, but they're actually doing it now. Now is the day of salvation. Or we could create media that counters the lies and propaganda. Well, well, Daniel, don't you know that they're, they're shutting us down in social media? All the more reason, get it out there. Even if it's out there for 10 minutes, someone could watch it. Use another alternative media platform like perhaps Rumble or BitChute or, um, or there's, there's others that don't come to my mind right now. Maybe you know some more. But use those platforms. Use the mails. Uh, write letters to editors. Um, put out, uh, spend some of your coin that you think you're putting away for some, uh, some event that may never happen. If we don't push back now, we may not be able to have that vacation you were saving up for. Perhaps put a little bit of that into sending out flyers in your neighborhood and letting people know what's, uh, what they can do and showing the, those that are weak and teetering on the fence that don't have the encouragement that they're not alone. They need it more than ever right now. We can create music, literature, artwork that counters the lifeless statism of totalitarianism. So the parallel society, you need to realize, is decentralized. It's not going to be, hey, Daniel, great. I'll follow you. You start it and we'll follow. Daniel can't lead you. David can't lead you. It's decentralized. It's voluntary. It requires you, grassroots, not some leader, telling you what to do. Here's a quote from Vaclav Havel in The Power of the Powerless. He says, one of the most important tasks the dissident movements have set themselves is to support and develop parallel social structures. What else are those initial attempts at social self-organization than the efforts of a certain part of society to rid itself of the self-sustaining aspects of totalitarianism and thus to extricate itself radically from its involvement in the totalitarianism system. Now, he also wrote a quote from a book, Living in Truth. He said, it would be quite wrong to understand the parallel structures and the parallel society 
as a retreat into a ghetto and as an act of isolation, addressing itself only to the welfare of those who had decided on such a course. The ultimate phase of this process is a situation in which the official structures simply begin withering away and dying off to be replaced by new structures that have evolved from below and are put together in a fundamentally different way. I was watching and, for example, saw a one small town movement where his structure has, has he has laid a, for an example how to do that on a town-by-town -town basis, whether you agree with him or not. It is some one man's example of doing this on a town-by-town -town basis. The act of building parallel societies reveals that not everyone will just roll over and submit to total state control. There is going to be resistance. There will be visual and knowledgeable resistance. Those that are attempting the takeover will realize that they can't do it while we're here. We'll talk about that more here in just a little bit. It promotes communal bonds between those of us who love liberty and freedom. We now realize that they're there. For example, I live in the area that men call Fayetteville, Arkansas, and about four days ago, there's a man that was in a city council meeting, and he got arrested for not wearing a mask and got a trespass charge, and they pulled him away and arrested him, and it made the news. You can find it. His name was James Smith. Well, I've got a letter written out to him. I want to know him, and I want, to know, I want him to know me, and I want him to know he's supported. And he's got a court date on October 7th in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and it's a call for all those that are nearby, show up and support James Smith in mass, not M-A-S-K, M-A-S-S-E, in mass. And these are the kind of things that we can do. He's not to be alone. He's not to be um, unprotected. He's not to be one voice. He's to have all of us standing behind him. And if something like that happens around you, take off of work. It is that important. This is a, another quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. No weapons, no matter how powerful, can help the West, he's talking about us, until it, it overcomes its loss of willpower. Boy, that hurts. Alexander's telling us that we need to overcome our loss of willpower. Oh, and I want to let you know, success is not guaranteed. We don't have a guarantee that if we do this, that will happen. I've long since had and suffered from this is that disease. Some of you may have heard me say, if I do this, that will happen, therefore this is that. Or I did that, this and that happened, therefore this is that. I don't have this is that disease. I'm either supposed to do it or I'm not. And I do it if I'm supposed to do it. The outcome is not in my hands. We trust that the Almighty is charged with the outcome. He's charged with the uh, the results, they're not, I am not to do something based upon whether or not it'll have a result. I'm supposed to do something because it's right to do. Period. End of story. Case closed. Game over. Move on. It's simple. Very, very, very simple. I'll tell you, even though success is not guaranteed, I will tell you that this thing called hope, at least the hope that I'm referring to in this particular construct, is our enemy. We need to replace hope with acts of courage. What do I mean by that? Oh, I, I hope that these mass mandates end soon. I sure hope I won't lose my employment because of the jab mandate. I sure hope all this ends soon. I sure hope we don't get ordered to lock down. 
That's debilitating. That's actually not, that's not a call to action. It's actually lulling you to sleep. This is not helping anything. That hope needs to be replaced with acts of courage. Um, I'm, that's why I'm, I'm calling you to action today. Hope in reality is the worst of all evils because it prolongs the torments of men. Very controversial, Nietzsche stated there. Can't disagree with that quote in relation to what I'm referring to tonight. In place of hope, courageous action from as many people possible is required to stop totalitarian rule. And the sooner people react in defiance to would-be totalitarians, the better the chance of success. The sooner you, because you're a people, react in defiance. Daniel, are you calling me to be defiant? You better believe I am. I'm calling you to resist with everything in you and now, not later. Remember the frog in the boiling pot of water story? We are that frog. And let me tell you something, the water is boiling. It's not going to get boiling. It is boiling. The mistake of the past was that the people didn't react soon enough. That we don't want to repeat. We've seen it. We've looked at the history books. We've said, oh, what awful, awful stories and the millions that have died under this type of regimes, that these totalitarian rules. Well, guess what? History repeats itself, and we are those people that are being called to action now. If we don't act now, we may be the history books of tomorrows, if there is a tomorrow. With these kind of um, people in, in these kind of places, they're looking for mass extermination. Understand the Georgia Guidestones, they're sitting here on American soil, whatever that means, in Georgia, calling for the reduction of the world's population. This is, uh, this is not something new. Whoever these alien life forms are, they're alien and strangers from the mind of Christ. They're calling for the reduction of the world's population for their ungodly control, their, their elite lifestyles. Here's a quote from Milton Mayer in a book they thought they were free. You wait for one great shocking occasion, he says, thinking that others, when such a shock comes, will join with you in resisting somehow. But the one great shocking occasion, when tens or hundreds of thousands will join with you, it never comes. If the last and worst act of the whole regime had come immediately after the first and smallest, thousands, Yes, millions would have been sufficiently shocked. But of course, this isn't the way it happens. In between comes all the hundreds of little steps, some of them imperceptible, each of them preparing you not to be shocked by the next. And he goes on, and one day too late, your principles, if you were ever sensible of them, all rush in upon you, and you see that everything, everything has changed. Now you live in a world of hate and fear, and the people who hate and fear do not even know it themselves. When everyone is transformed, no one is transformed. That's just a very, very, that just chills me. I have to, I have to actually compose myself from reading that quote to you here on, on this broadcast tonight. A couple of passages more in scriptures. I started in scriptures. I'm going to throw this out to you. This is from Acts 
Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, which was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went into them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believed not moved with envy, took unto them certain fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come here also. Would that be the explanation of us this night? Are we they that have turned the world upside down? And are you that testimony in your marketplace? Kind of interesting. They gathered a company and set the city on an uproar. And they assaulted them. And, These are these that are wearing a mask. They're the ones that are causing the virus to happen. They're on masks. They're doing it. They're on vax. They're the ones. This is not something that I'm making up. You all have thought this. You all have heard the stories. They said they've come here also. They're the ones that have turned the world upside down. They're here, whom Jason has received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another king, one Jesus. They all did contrary to the decrees of Caesar. I want to say it one more time. These all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason... And of the others, they let them go. See, Jason there had it bond out. They took security of them. This isn't new. Well, I might go to jail. Well, you might. But if you think of the alternatives, right now, a few days in the Hokie may be much better than if we don't do contrary to the decrees of those that are attempting a totalitarianism-styled rule a social credit score type rule, a cashless social credit score overlord, absolutely no freedom rule in your backyard coming to a city near you. So maybe, just maybe, we should have the faith of those that went before us. Yeah, Jason had to post bond. Of course, it was for a good cause. He wasn't posting bond because he was violating his neighbor or breaking the laws of God. Keeping the mind in Hebrews, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, let us lay aside every weight and that sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. 
You've not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Lastly, as I'm winding up here tonight, this is from an article on, online. I'll just quote the place in case you get a chance to go back to it. It's from ClashDaily.com. It's uh, 2017, 11, Good Authority, Biblical Right, Resist Tyranny is the, um, are the words. And, um, and in that particular article, I thought this was, they had a couple of good things that really fit this, and so I'm going to quote them here, going to read them here to you in, uh, in close to my end of my monologue. The book of Judges tell us of many freedom fighters against those who oppressed and enslaved Israel. Ehud, Gideon, oh, I love Gideon. Gideon threshed out wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. He was a little bit of a rebel, wouldn't you think? Deborah, Barak, Samson, Samuel, and others whom God sent to free his people from tyranny. There's Samuel who rebuked Saul for taking too much power. Nathan confronted David over his murder of Uriah. Elijah condemned Ahab for killing Naboth for his property. God requires that leaders be servants of the people, not their masters. 1 Kings 12.7, Daniel defied King Nebuchadnezzar over food, and Darius over prayer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow to idols. And Jesus got angry over the cheating of worshipers at the temple and whipped the money changers and crooked salesmen. He kicked them out. John 2.14-17, you can read that. In doing so, he forcibly defied the Jewish government that government in that day. And I don't know if Jewish government is a good term there, but that's how they used it. He defied the present regime in that day. Keep in mind that here, although many of us understand that these documents are not our law and our, and our standard, but in this United States of America, as they call it, they have this document called the Declaration of Independence. And it states that when government becomes oppressive, Patriots and Christians have the right and duty to resist unlawful authority. Samuel Adams, one of the founders who based many of his arguments for liberty on the Bible, said, quote, among the natural rights of the colonists are these. First, the right to life, self-defense. Secondly, to liberty. Thirdly, to property, together with the right to support and defend them in the best manner they can. That's from Sovereign Duty, page 145. William Blackstone whose book on English common law was the general guide for American lawyers up through the Civil War, stated our rights this way, to vindicate those rights when actually violated or attacked, the subjects of England are entitled first to the regular administration and free course of justice in the courts of law, next to the right of petition of the king in parliament for redress of grievances, and lastly to the right of having and using arms for self-preservation and defense. Now, some of you may know that on the last House of Prayer call uh, that David and I had worked um, on a, a declaratory judgment process, a boilerplate document with um, some administrative process preceded about your religious rights not to be jabbed, not to have somebody shove a cotton swab with who knows what on it up your schnoz to, um, to give you or to take from you something. Neither, none of these things are in line with your, your religious right, and they're required to accommodate your rights, your freedom of religion, and that's within their infrastructure 
of their particular society to which they have allegedly, purportedly, and were supposed to take an oath to. And we've created a declaratory judgment so we can at least have done our diligence with what Blackstone talked about in his first entitlement to the free course of justice in the courts of law. We can't have leave that one on we can't leave that rock unturned. We must do something besides holding a picket sign on the street and whining like little children. We must get in there and address these people toe to toe, nose to nose on these issues. We have to take that responsibility and the time is now. So if you don't have that by the way, you can go to my webpage. It's not yet on David's um, bulletproof solutions yet, but it will be soon. But in the meanwhile, you can go to myhouseshallbecalled.com. That's myhouseshallbecalled.com. Go to the offering section. Scroll over. It'll say call recordings. The most recent call recording talks about habeas corpus declaratory judgment and travel. You can download that call there. You can download all of the documents referred to, including this one I'm referring to right now about the declaratory judgment and the administrative process that precedes your um, suit and your, and your cause of action declaratory judgment. It's a gift. It's very easy. It's like uh, filling in the blanks. You can put it together, and I would say less than a half an hour should be your entire time that you'd have to spend in creating a document that you can go and at least hold somebody to task who's attempting to mask you, jab you, force you to violate the law of God in order to have what is yours to have and what you need to stand for. Lastly, in that, in, in that article in that I was reading from classdaily.com, he referred to the Federal Papers 33. Alexander Hamilton put it this way, if the representatives of the people betray their constituents, there is then no resource left but in the exertion of that original right of self-defense, which is paramount to all positive forms of government. That's from Sovereign Duty, page 147. Isaiah cursed tyrannical legislators saying, woe unto those who enact evil statutes and those who constantly record unjust decisions so as to deprive the needy of justice and to rob the poor of my people of their rights. Isaiah 10, 1 and 2, I conclude with, woe unto you who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, Woe unto those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. So concluding with this call to action, I don't know if you remember Second Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2.7. It says, For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Very mysterious passage because we don't understand the old English words there. But here's the word letteth in the New Testament. Some of you may know of the resource Vines Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. You can go look it up yourself. The word letteth means to hold back, to detain, to, ret to, to retain from going away, to restrain, to hinder the course of progress of, that which hinders, like to check a ship's headway or to hold the head of the ship, to hold fast, keep secure, keep firm possession of, to get possession of, or take it to possess. So the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who restrains, he who hinders, will restrain and hinder until he be taken out of the way. That's you. You're here now. You've not been taken out of the way. You're the rudder. You're the standard. 
You're the one to whom I speak every week on when I speak on the house of prayer. When I call and, and I present to you the chosen fast of Isaiah 58, 6, which I'll remind you again here now, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. My brothers and sisters, the listeners that took the time to listen to me with my exhortation tonight, I hope I've encouraged you to continue and be steadfast, unmovable, and unshakable in your faith, and do that which your neighbor needs and love them with the love that we are given by our example. And with that, I'll conclude my monologue. Questions, comments, is there anybody still on here? <laughs> that was excellent, Daniel. Hello. Excellent. hello, hello. In here. That was great. Well, thank you. I didn't hear the first comment. Who was that? This is Tara and Colleen. That was excellent, Daniel. It's excellent. Well, thank you. We totally agree. Yes. We completely agree. It's time to be active, not just stand on the side of the road with a sign like you said. We need to start holding people accountable for their actions during this time because... Um, well, we had a story, I think, you know, having, just becoming ill and trying to get medical care. They require a nasal test before they'll even see you. They'll turn you away, actually. And to me, you're violating your your Hippocratic oath. Uh, that's just not what a doctor does, decides. Oh, unvaxxed or vaxxed. I'm, I'm going to treat a person based upon that status. And I was just so angry. But that's the perfect um, opportunity to serve notice and your declaratory judgment, which is so easy. Everyone can do it. Well, thank you for that vote of confidence. It, we did make it easy, Colleen. I, I can't see where it would be too difficult for people to comprehend how to fill in the blanks there. Would you agree? I agree. We've, we've looked it over. In fact, we're starting to fill one out, and we're going to keep going. Yeah, we're going to <laughs> The next one's going to be going to that doctor because we had, we had had one in mind before we went to the doctor. And... Um, Oh, this is what I wanted to say. This is going to amaze everyone, but the nurse who wouldn't let us into the doctor's office said, oh, the nasal tests are not the ones with the... We can offer you the one without the carcinogens in it. That is, that is exactly what I was told by a nurse. And um, I was going, well, <laughs> tempting, but... That's not the point. But I, I just thought that was an amazing statement. We'll, give, we'll test you with the one without the carcinogens in it. Just yeah, today more. we're going to offer you a special here today at our restaurant. We can offer you the um, salad without the arsenic in it, if you would like. I, I, I thought that's exactly what that was like. <laughs> 
It was like, did she even know what was coming out of her mouth? I don't think these people do know what's coming out of their mouth. I don't think they know what they're doing is wrong. I think they really, she's just so busy trying to keep her job or whatever. I think people, they're so asleep, they don't really know that they're, they're doing the, they're committing crimes against humanity. Actually, is what that is. Sorry, but it is. Thank you, David. I've been called David before, actually, but this is Daniel. Oh, Daniel. <laughs> I've been called David all my life, but David David actually is born with that, I guess, given name. Yeah. Hi, Linda. Hi, Linda. Hi. Colleen, how are you? I'm good. Good to hear your voice. Oh, thank you. It's good to hear you, too. Thank you. There is a Supreme Court case that is, um, whatever that means, Supreme Court, but you know when I say it, I don't give it the same kind of attention that others may. Um, But nonetheless, there is a case that made it to the Supreme Court in the United States, and it is the Association for Molecular Pathology versus Myriad Genetics Incorporated. Has anyone heard of that case? No. Well, I'm opening it right now. I believe if my memory serves me right, it's 2013. I was thinking it probably started in 2012. The Association for Molecular Pathology that were the petitioners versus Myriad Genetics. And although I have not read the complete case, I've got the the um, gist of it, and I'll throw this out to you now, and I will be making it available on the uh, myhousshallbecalled.com uh, for those as a, um, as a PDF if you can't find it. It shouldn't be that difficult. It's 133 Supreme Court in 2017, uh, and the Association for Molecular Pathology versus Neurogenetics. And it's uh, basically the, the bottom line for this is that transhumanism is being discussed in here, discussed in, or, or, or spoken of. And transhumanism is when we alter our biological DNA of being what we, what's called human to being what's called transhuman. I want to let you know that a few years ago, some of the people at the um, Tesla Tech convention were all excited about the new um, advancements and the science behind nanotechnology and how it is just incredibly moving in very positive ways that they were thinking. And as I'm listening, because I have a very wary eye for these wonderful tools being put in the hands, because I've watched maybe too many cartoons when I was younger and realized that uh, Penelope Pitstop had a, uh, had a villain always on her back. And so I recognize that for every one of these things that they can do good with nanotechnology, 
somebody can be doing something hideous with it and heinous with it. And so, as you might not know, nanotechnology, nanoparticulate technology, has an ability, they can create an ability that once they get their nanotechnology into your body, it's what's called self-replicating. So certain, um, certain of these may even be radioactive and receive radio signals, turning them on to replicate. Perhaps the major reason why they want a cloud of 5G all around you, I don't know. I'm not trying to say I know. I'm certainly not one to sound like an imbecile and creating a scare where none is. You know, um, but at the same time, I don't want to say peace, peace when there is no peace. Realizing that this technology does exist and not knowing what are these um, particulates that these people have experimentally allowed into their body, uh, not realizing if they are, in fact, nanotechnology, we may have our neighbors be walking around like walking Manchurian candidates, and what's coming out of the mouth may not even be their own soul. They may, in fact, just be parroting that which they're being programmed for, and they may, may, in fact, be transhuman. I'm not saying that's what it is. I said maybe. I don't know. Do you? But it certainly is something to think about. I will tell you that some have said, we've had reports here in my neck of the woods. One of my neighbors works in a factory, and he said that all of the people in his factory have been jabbed but him. And he said to us the other day, they're not the same. Now, he was teetering whether or not he was going to do this. He says, but you know what? He says, I put a mask on just to keep myself from these guys now. I don't know what's going on. Their eyes are bloodshot. They've got black under their eyes. People that I thought were my friends are acting in a very bizarre way. He said they're altered. This was coming from somebody who is definitely not as woke as everybody on this call. I guarantee it. He's just an average Joe. No understanding of the things we're talking about on these calls. And that was his report. That's a scary state of affairs. And so in, there is a divide and conquer going on right now, and it could very well be that those who have been um, inoculated into this totalitarian statism are in fact robotically entrained with the words that are coming out of their mouths. I say could be. I don't know. You I've know, got more I questions think, than the I think prayer is very important. And when we talk to our Heavenly Father and let him know that we know what's going on, we can do a lot for those people as well as ourselves just by remembering this in prayer. I agree, of course. That's so important that we lift and and get the word out into the the ether, into the the air, into our writing. Just our intents and God's intent and our saying it again and again, God's intent, and put it out there as well as doing our, you know, maybe our legal writings and such. We'll continue to do that, but we won't stop praying in order to get that done.
the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yeah. Yes. Well, in the spirit of Dave's call, I know that was a little bit out there on the other side. I'm sure that Dave was 100% on board with what was shared. Uh, we, I know this for a fact. But I guess I should say people have come into the call of how to win in court without a liar. I should say, is there anybody that wants to bring up a discussion that's not related to this um, very emotional and stirring conversation we've had thus to this particular time? I guess I can open it up for that as well. As Dave would say, this looks like it might be a very short call. <laughs> it never is, but he does say that often. Hey, Daniel, this is Jeremy. How you doing? Hi, Jeremy. I was wondering if you had any experience with getting setting up general delivery. Can you repeat, please? Have you had any experience with setting up general delivery with the postmaster? I, I do, as a matter of fact. And I will tell you that general delivery is for postal customers. And I have moved to an understanding, and you can find this in the Book of the Hundreds uh, as a resource to understand general post office as an alternative to being a postal customer. And uh, general delivery can be acquired, and you could basically become a postal customer and, and uh, use general delivery. And they, are, they have an ability to hold your mail for 30 days, although many of them don't understand what their own system states, uh, their words, in the domestic mail manual. And I've seen them have to be trained. Uh, they want you to buy a post office box and get involved in the contract, uh, but you can use general delivery. I prefer general post office. And you can establish a general post office at a post office next to you, and brothers can do that and sisters can do that between themselves by sending post off in the name of Jesus Christ to your brother, the servant of the Lord, and send it off to the general, uh, general post office from living soul to living soul and come call for your mail at the window, your postal matter. And, um, and basically your communication. And uh, I have done it. Uh, I, re I recall that I did get some resistance at the front, but um, I have, I'm presently not using a general post office and not a place where I'm using a care of, but uh, am not opposed to it. And I did it for a six-year period of time. So it's very, um, it's very easy to do. I don't necessarily know that I have the book of the 100, um, but as far as their manual goes, and i go with that. The, um, the postmaster is uh, trying to claim that he's a quasi-government, so he doesn't have to go by blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so... Um, so uh, you say he doesn't have to go by the the uh, domestic mail manual. Yeah, yeah, he, because he's quasi government. So he can avoid the domestic mail manual, which actually describes what the post uh, 
what the postmaster is supposed to do. So what uh, you could do is open up a discussion between the, your local postmaster and the postmaster general of the United States that's over them and, um, and basically do a respondeat superior position um, as far as your relationship with that, that postmaster. Um, but the Book of the Hundreds, it may be on the site, uh, the Bulletproof Solutions. I'm, I'm going to try to check right now. If not, you have my email address, right? I'm glad to send you a copy of the Book of the Hundreds. It's a good read on many, on many levels. Back in the day of um, the Jurok Societies with uh, uh, John Quaid and, and someone I used to fellowship, I don't know what happened to him, Randy Lee, haven't heard from him in years. But I used to fellowship with him regularly, and he kind of fell off the radar. He used to live in Piru, California, and then poof, he was gone. But um, the Book of the Hundreds was um, the established Jewish Society book, and I'd be happy to send you a copy of that. Um, I am Daniel right, Joseph I'll, I'll, at protonmail.com if you... Okay, well, thank you. I'll check the Bulletproof Solutions first, and then I'll contact you if I don't find it there. Yeah. They've got a good section on the general post office in that in that publication and makes a um, real compelling case and a way to establish it. I used to walk in there for the to my to the employees with um, back in the day when I could get little silver dimes, uh, actual silver, and I would just kind of follow the uh, Randy Lee's little um, lead and just kind of befriending them and giving them something when I came in there. And I would give them silver dimes and hey, here, here, here's some for you, some real silver. And they would all, um, they would like, they'd like to see me coming. And uh, and I established a general post office, and I used it for six years. Okay, and, and according to your method, method um, is it something that you have to get permission from the postmaster before you have it, or is it something that's actually already there? We just are not using it. The way I comprehend it, it's already there, and they're layered. Their authorities is, you know, there's always the natural, and then they come to their corporate overlay. And this is the original um, post, post office, and uh, their postal services are layered on top. So the postmaster could, should, would wear these hats if he knew that where, who he was. But, um, but as often is the case, the only thing they see is the corporate overlay, and that's the only place that they uh, seem to do business from, is that corporate overlay. But it's there. It still exists. It hasn't been. None of the laws have, this is the important part that you'll get from the Book of the Hundred, is none of the laws have been repealed on relation to their original post office, general post office. They didn't repeal it and replace it with this. There's no repealing of any of the original laws. Yeah, that I am familiar with. Um, the other thing, um, you know, even looking up within their their statutes, uh, he he's has if if we send something, general delivery, and if he does anything to other than giving it hand it over when somebody picks it up, um, then he's in some serious doo doo. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, so I, I don't know what the resistance with, because I've known other people who've had problems and then they just ended up leaving, letting it go. And it's at this point that it's become, uh, you know, it's like, and, I, and I've, I've done that myself, just let it go because I haven't had, it wasn't a necessity. And I think that's something that, but, but the people that I've 
started were saying that you have to get permission. You don't have it unless the postmaster general says you have it. And I just don't go with that. I don't see the law, the, the their their statutes or policy that actually states that. But the other people that I've you know uh, followed, so to speak, uh, were stating that. So that's why I wanted to follow. Okay, where, where's that rule? The rule that you have to get their permission? Yeah. Never heard of such. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I'm, 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 so, you know, we're testing that one out. We'll, we'll push that well, one to like the limit. That's, that goes along with the message to some degree because, you know, we're, we're not looking for totalitarian in any level of life and push back, resist, say no. You know, this is, this is uh, we. One of the things that you recognize, too, is that, and I know that Linda can speak to this and has spoken to this, and to a great degree, I, uh, I, um, I can sit there and yield to and listen to her speak on this for an hour about her relationship with the post office. These, these people ha- cannot hinder your sharing of the gospel and using the post from, uh, from one brother to another. Would you agree with that, Linda? Um, I haven't had very good luck with mailing things from um, the Office of Postmaster except, um, okay, what the address is, in the name of Jesus Christ is the first line. The second line is care of, capital C, slash, little o, Office of Postmaster, and then um, the street location that I use, and then I put um, Gila County 85501-9998. Now, that's, that's a, 9998 is a special number for the Office of Postmaster. Now, the Office of Postmaster is over the Office of Postmaster for both the post office and the, and the, um, what's the commercial? Um, Postal service. Um, USPS. No, um, USPS, um, postal service, okay? The post office is on the outside, but the postal service is what uh, operates its um, commercial business on the inside. And so I don't even touch that postal service. And it usually takes three mailings, and um, I haven't explored other options yet because I've just been using it to serve the offices of the different um, governments, um, which I've only done the Office of Postmaster and the Office of Governor. Because I'll send my letters to the Office of Governor and I've never gotten a reply. And I think that's a good thing because that's telling me that all of my mail has been accepted. Okay? But I send it, for instance, in Arizona here, it's to Doug. I just send it um, in the name of Jesus Christ, um, 
uh, care c slash o little o uh, Jeremy, and it says given name, um, comma office of postmaster. Um, the office of postmaster is his second calling. <laughs> because that's what he's chosen to do with his life. And um, I, um, I put that street address in, in care of him. So I get everything. I get everything that's posted to me, and I get everything that is mailed. Now, when I went to the hospital for a little over four months, I think it was four and a half months, they did um, slightly crumple up a letter that I had um, written to the office of postmaster. And I just, when I saw that it was crumpled up and returned to me, I just stuck it back in the post office with the second letter. Stuck it back in the blue mailbox. Now I cannot, um, I don't seem to be able to send things to the office of governor from the street location, from this street location, but I can send it from the blue box without any problems and have been doing that for four years. Was I clear? A bit different. Sorry, I thought you were doing Linda. Well, I, I was just asking you if I was clear enough. Yeah, it was, to me it was clear. How about to you? Yeah, I just have a few questions on that. Number one, when you're saying the address, are you talking the location of the post office or the location of where you, you, well, you abide? I just, I just, okay, I don't know how you've seen um, a wedding invitation I haven't seen a wedding invitation in many years. I don't know how they're giving them out now, but they used to be in double envelopes and they would be addressed to the people on the inside. Um, that's, uh, they would have the street address on the outside envelope and the envelope on the inside, they would have just the, the personal information. And they would put the um, one one address, who they were sending it to, went in the front of the envelope, but the return went in the back of the envelope. Of the outer so, envelope? Yes. Okay. So I don't even put the return address on the face of the envelope anymore because I, I don't leave the back empty anymore. So I put one address on each surface. Everything that goes to their office is addressed in the front. That's when I put special um, uh, secret, not open, because secret means um, um, that's, that's there to be quiet. Okay, they're to absolutely be quiet. Secret, comma, not open. Uh, special, comma, not general. And priority. Those are the three um, designations I give to the front. 
on the bottom front left, I put what I put in the envelope. Sometimes it's refuse, it's just trash. And then I put on the top right, I put um, what's in the war manual because we're actually at war. Only the legal person is the warring party. And so I put special, um, um, oh, what is it? And it doesn't have any contest um, about um, um, it doesn't have the same um, it doesn't have the qualifications that this, the United States Post Office puts on their stuff like tax for two and, and post paid and, and such stuff as that because I use the, the one in the postal manual, not the postal manual, the war manual, the law of FM 2710, the law of land warfare. And it's a handbook uh, made for the military and for civil authority. And so it doesn't put any designations, and I don't, I don't use the two postal books that that, that it says that, that I can use um, text per queue and all that sort of stuff in it. So I just put, um, oh, what is it? Let me get... Okay, I put service des prisoners de guerre, <laughs> prisoners of war service underneath in parentheses, FM 2710, the law of land warfare, um, and it's um, paragraph 150, exemption from postal and transport charges. <laughs> okay. So you don't use any stamps? No. Haven't for um, going on. Um, oh, it was four and a half years um, back in January. So I'd, I'd say it would be about five years. And on the other side, I put um, um, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, care of, and then I put the office of postmaster. Um, and this happened to be to Kim. Office of Postmaster, 5287 East Golden Hill Road, which is a street ad address that I use, Gila County, 85501-9998. And that's all I put on the envelope um, as far as the postage. Now I put secret not open, special not general, and priority. And I address it to Dr Doug, Office of Governor, 1700 West Washington Street, Phoenix, Arizona, 85507. And the bottom left front, um, um, for instance, uh, Lamb Prayer. And I don't know if they see it or not, but it's accepted without any 
I don't I don't put anything on it. I don't put any registered or priority mail because that's a commercial thing. And I don't do commerce. I just stick it in the blue mailbox. And they have to hand deliver it. I have a question. Go ahead. <clears throat> My name is Jesse. Um, you put it in the blue mailbox, but isn't the blue mailbox part of their USPS system? Um, I don't know how they separate it once I put my mail in there. Okay. But it, I've done it. The, well, they also have the uh, <laughs> beige or gold uh, wall location inside the post office that you can put that, and it's not a blue mailbox. Well, see, I put everything in the blue mailbox because I don't know. um, It's United States Postal Service on the inside, not the United States Post Office. Okay, I I hear what you're saying. My understanding was the blue box is the United States Postal Service, and if you put it in the wall inside the post office, it's under the post office and not the USPS. But just your thoughts on that. And then also one more thing. You're using the zip code dash 9998. Isn't that still under the jurisdiction of the District of Columbia or no? Or because of the 9998, it takes it out of that? I don't know. But okay. everything I address to um, uh, with my address, and I've never had any problem with it. And as far as I know, everything I sent to the Office of Governor and, of course, the Office of Postmaster, because that, 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 that office is structured um, clear to Geneva, Switzerland. I don't know if it's in Geneva right now. So if I was to send you a letter, how would I send mail to you or a post? I don't know. I've never sent... um, um, I would... If you want to try sending me something, I would send it in the name of Jesus Christ C, capital C, slash, little o, uh, Jeremy, comma, office of postmaster, then 5287 East Golden Hill Road, and then Gila County, 85501, because um, uh, it it designates the the post office that you're using, and it does not necessarily designate the postal service. Okay. But I I don't know because I've never received mail. Uh I have a couple more questions as I as we roll along here. The so how do you pay utility bills? I don't. And I'm curious about that. Can you explain or do you mind explaining or Well, I was setting up um, 
the post office um, first, and then it was sporadic um, for that four and a half years, and then I crashed and burned and got sick and spent the first part of this year, four and a half months, in the hospital. And so I just recently have taken this up again since I started my... <laughs> um, started writing um, the Office of Postmaster and the Office of Governor again. And so I send most of my uh, letters to the Office of Governor now that I've established with the Office of Postmaster because um, they change the Office of Postmaster a lot. I've had... Um, something like seven postmasters within the last four years. I don't know if they're educating uh, now that they're, I don't know if they're educating people or if they're just transferring them and putting them in office because I use them. (laughs) Sometimes that's what it feels like because I, I will have to start over with every postmaster. But we've had um, three uh, postmasters in in four years. So are you saying you're redirecting your utility bills to the postmaster? Is that what you're saying? No, I haven't even started that yet. Okay, but that's what you did before um, you had your. Uh, no, going into the I haven't started the 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 the, oh, the utilities yet. I plan on it, but I haven't started them yet. I can tell you what I plan on doing, and basically, because every charge has a discharge, um, uh, for. I think it's for singular um, documents, uh, for singular charges, and then it has, I think it's an offset, a charge and offset for um, 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 like utilities, something that's ongoing all the time. I'm going to make a comment on the utility bills, Linda. Um, on, a, on that note, um, a work in progress doesn't mean a defeat. Of course, it doesn't mean a win either, in all fairness, but I stand with Linda's um, faith in her, what she's going to be doing here in the near future, and uh, pray for her continued healing and health to continue those things. I have had utility bills put on in the name of Jesus the Christ. And I established a private trust between myself and the CFO of a, an electric company and uh, made, a, a, uh, made an offer, told them that I did not want to be in debt because as you may be aware, utility bills, the way you, quote, pay 
or attempt to discharge your utility bills with your energy, you are always in debt. You're always paying a month late. So you're yeah. always in the negative. And so what I told them was, as I, in the other scripture says, to owe no man anything but to love one another, and I choose not to be in debt. And so I sent them a money order to the CFO, created a private trust. I used the registered mail number as my trust ID number, and it's, a, it's an individual number that was um, exclusive, and set, it, set an offer to the chief uh, financial officer, actually the CEO, of the post office, excuse me, of the electric company, and uh, told them what my intentions were, and got the electricity turned on in the name of Jesus the Christ. Now I used the King James 1611 for many years, and as some of you may know that are aware of that particular publication, uh, the King's English, the J was an I. But when they transposed it on the bill, somebody thought it was a clerical error, and the the um, uh, I never got a bill, but the credit came out in Jesus the Christ. So at the general post office that I was using, the bill came Jesus the Christ, uh, care of general post office. It was in Monette, Missouri at the time. And I would receive the responses that way. And I'd go and pick up these, these, uh, this matter at the general post office that I had established that relationship for. And what was really interesting is that this particular location that I had uh, had uh, the electricity turned on, and we had put a we said that we wanted to pay in a quarter in advance. And their credits kept coming out. I mean, their their statements kept coming that we had zero, zero, zero. Nothing was no obligations, and that was really interesting. Um, something happened, and life happened in my particular uh, world, and I wasn't able to handle. Uh, juggling all that was going on, and the house that we had turned on was foreclosed on, and I was never given notice, and of course that is not a legal situation, but it did happen, and the electricity was turned off. And so at the um, at the mailbox, um, after the electricity was turned off, this is after having electricity for six months, the, the, initial, um, uh, the initial gift I gave them to put them in, to put this relationship into place was a $150 postal money order um, for 150.00. And that was what had the established the relationship with the electric company in the name of Jesus to Christ. Well, the electricity was on for a solid six months before this um, <clears throat> before this illegal uh, foreclosure happened um, on, on the place. Uh, and the electricity was turned off, and the, and we got a check in the mail from the electric company at the end of six months for $169 returned to us. Don't ask me how the math worked out, why we got money back. We had used uh, the, um, the uh, as servants of the Lord, we used the electricity for solid six months with a $150 um, deposit to get the uh, account going in the name of Jesus the Christ. When it was turned, we got um, $169 back. That happened to me. So if anyone can understand that, they're smarter than me because I can't certainly do the math. I can't figure it out. 
Maybe it's the interest in an interest-bearing account because it was Jesus the Christ after all. So they possibly put it in an interest-bearing account and then gave you the interest? Is that where that extra money would have come from? Could be. I thought of that. Truly don't know. No, they'll never tell you anything. Right. Yes, right. And so I've learned when I write letters, like for this um, COVID thing, I'll write to the office of the governor because, um, well, and I write him as a trustee and not just a, a notice to principal is notice to agent, notice to agent is notice to principal. I actually make him a trustee. And he is under obligation at that point. What is he obligated to do? Well, he's obligated to act as the governor. And uh, because I made him a trustee, he's obligated to act according to... um, what I've obligated him to. So what have you obligated him to do? Well, when I write, well, I've written in the past, but when I write this letter to um, the office of governor, I will make him a trustee. Okay, so to take over all the bills for the name, that sort of thing? No, for the COVID, I said. <laughs> so he, he extracts the COVID and he has to take the injection? No. I, I don't understand what the act- obligation of, of the COVID is. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I must have missed something here. Um, I didn't explain it very well. I... Mm. And I'm having a harder time this evening as I try to explain this because I, I'm, I don't know. But anyway, okay, let me try to make it clear. I don't, I, I don't want him promoting the COVID vaccine to me. And hopefully he won't do it to anybody else. But as far as him being a trustee rather than a principal, see, because he would normally be considered notice to principal is notice to agent. Notice to agent is notice to principal. I want him more as a principal, I mean as a trustee than, a, than notice to principal. Because that's... Um, and that, oh, I'm not explaining this very well. Because he has a duty to take and look after the beneficiary interest. Yes, as long as I proclaim him trustee. 
Yes. And so I'm saying when we write our COVID letters, we make the governor the trustee. Otherwise, he just stays um, notice to principal is notice to agent, and notice to agent is notice to principal, and that's not hardly anything. Because if the governor is named trustee, then everybody else is, is in, in automatic trusteeship in the relationship from then on. Nice. Now, whether or not they choose that is entirely up to them. And it depends on how, um, it depends on what their level of honesty is. But at least when I name him a trustee, he will know that that, that, that is exactly what I expect of him. I like it. That makes sense. At least put them on notice yes. that he needs to ask as a trustee and, and we are the beneficiaries. Yes. And we don't need to ask anything. <laughs> we just do. Yeah, we pleasantly let them know that that's what their duty and their obligation leads to me. And right. everybody else, if they, if, if, if they want to think about it. But I've heard the statistics for letter, letters once before. Um, one letter that's written is, is worth 100 that isn't. That's so true. they will con- they will consider what letters they get that are formally written to the office of governor for each state. Did they respond? I don't know. I haven't completed the letter yet. Oh. But I usually, I usually, when I send something to the office of governor through the office of postmaster, um, I usually won't hear anything. And to me, that's good news because I consider not hearing anything. Um, they agree with me. Right. Nice. How how would they let you know if they disagree? Well, he just let me know. By phone or email or mailing? Um, they would have to mail me because I don't have email at this point in time. I don't have Internet connection. Okay, so they could mail something to your location. Yes, but I don't see okay. how he could he could um, um, I don't see how he could disagree with me. Well, I agree with you. First time for everything. Right. 
if if he did disagree, I thought you didn't receive any mail, so I, that's why I was just clarifying. That's all. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So if you if <laughs> I don't know, you'll just have to experiment around for yourself. But I expect him to <laughs> obey me when I get when I get something written. Have you ever have you ever heard that um if you uh sign through a stamp like at a forty five that it uh makes you the postmaster? Is that uh have I you ever heard that? Through a stamp. Um, I don't I don't do any signing through a a, a ping of registered um mail like um I don't I don't do anything with their mail, with their registry number, nothing. Right, right. Yeah, I understand that. But um, I was just asking if you have ever heard of uh, where where somebody will sign through a stamp and uh, supposedly that that makes them the postmaster. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Uh, no. I haven't spoken with hardly anybody about things that I that I participated in. I just um, picked out the manual that I thought would work with the legal person um, because it's very much like the scriptures, you know. Jesus never proclaims himself the office of Samaritan. It's the Jews that accuse him. Oh, you're a Samaritan and you're a, you're a, um, um, a devil worshiper. <laughs> And he said, I do not worship devils. But he didn't say anything about whether or not he was a Samaritan. Mm. So I, I take what's in the scripture, um, even what they don't say, I pay attention mm-hmm. to. Yes. And I think Jesus mentions a Samaritan twice. Um, once is in that parable of the Samaritan and another time is when he's speaking to <clears throat> one man who, who had the desire to be cured of leprosy. Now, I look at that a little different because there are a lot of French words in the English dictionary like leper, it it leper it 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 the person leper you know it's right, two words right. and um this one man out of ten um came back to thank Jesus he persisted in his in his um dealing with the leper. Um, enough that he could see the result. And Jesus asked him, well, where are the other nine? And, of course, he didn't know, but um, the other nine weren't there. That means that anybody, that means that Jesus will give Ten people the solution to their dilemma, but usually only one in ten 
at least in that instance, is the one that listened and the one that did the work and the one that completed it and the one that came back and thanked Jesus. And I'm, hope, I'm hoping I'm clear enough because I feel like I'm, I'm not. You're doing great. We, we really appreciate your input. Well, thank you. What was the name of that book you said the, uh, uh, the, about the mail for, for uh, a war, wartime? Uh, okay, uh, you, go, you go to the Library of Congress and you download FM 2710, The Law of Land Warfare. It's FM? A, it's, uh, FM, F. M. Okay. F Yes. It's the law of land warfare. I got my Thank copy you. several uh, years ago from Amazon.com, and they even—I think it cost me seven seven dollars—and I carry it in my soft side briefcase that I carry all my documents in. I have um, the Holy Bible New Testament, and I have this Law of Land Warfare. And it's FM 2710, uh, 27-10, Department of the Army Field Manual, the Law of Land Warfare. <coughs> Thank you. You're welcome. And there were several civil affairs manuals that I got some good information in. Um, I, I, I wish I remembered what year they were, but um, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't remember, but they were the civil affairs um, war manuals. And civil affairs... Um, I don't deal with any statutes or anything like that because they're under civil affairs and I'm over civil affairs. You know, when, when I think about um, my standing. Um, let me get that... Um, Let me see. I have to turn on my computer and get the seven species of trial. It's out of Blackstone's commentaries. Um. I think I've given that on this call before.
Okay. It's the seven species of trial. And I don't remember if I found it uh, in order or not. But this is um, from Blackstone's commentaries. And I put on the top of this, uh, secret, comma, not open, in parentheses, special, which is trial by record, trial by examination, and trial by witness. Okay, so that's the three. Um, in one document, I'll have all three because the, the trial is a court of record, but it's a court of heavenly uh, father's kingdom. That's the court of record. And the trial by examination is um, what you put in the court of record. And the trial by witnesses, you've got it signed by two witnesses, you and Heavenly Father, when you go in correctly. And that's basically all the trials, the, all the witness that you need is when you can go in um, as a witness to the kingdom of heaven. Now the general, and I've gotten parentheses, um, legal fiction, trial by certification, trial by wager of battle, trial by wager of law, trial by jury. And in parentheses, and if one does a trial by jury, prior six trials are waived. So the trial by jury is the lowest trial you can, you can do. And so I just do a secret, not open trial um, to the office of governor. That's, that's what I've got. Um, I just did um, that this body is no longer a body. It's now a temple of God, which, he, which Heavenly Father says that we are. We are a temple of God. and uh, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And um, I think David's looked it up, um, J-E-S, and then it's U-S, but I've looked it up differently, uh, J-E um, hyphen or, or dash, S-U-S, uh, because it's a Greek name, um, but it's written in French as I've done most things, <laughs> uh, like uh, Le Pur, um, the person. Um, and I've looked it up that way instead of um, David's... Um, oh, whatever it is. Sorry, I'm I'm tired and and my brain refuses to work. But anyway, that Blackstone's commentaries, the seven species of trial, is trial by record, trial by examination, and trial by witness. And then the trial by certification, trial by wager of battle, trial by wager of law and trial by jury. And if one does a trial by jury, prior six trials are waived. 
have you ever uh, heard of uh, on certain documents? People will put a stamp on it, and I uh, I believe the reason is to uh, give it consideration, give it some type of value, which uh, I believe would be lawful uh, with the stamp. I'm not certain, but uh, have you ever heard of that? I have, but I put it in the same uh, legal fiction, uh, the same as general trial. Um, um, in the seven species of trial, that's their their legal fiction. When they put when you put a stamp on something, you're you're. It's my feeling that you register it with their legal fiction. I just do oh. everything uh, secret, comma not open. Okay. Trial by record, trial by examination, trial by witness. Because when I get into general stuff, I'm, I'm, I get the feeling that I'm participating in general um, affairs, and it's their stuff. Right. So when when I get ready to put in. Um, um, for the utilities of this place, I will do it first to them. Um, um, office of Governor, and then I will do it to the Office of County Commissioner and send him a copy of the office to the letter uh, of letter to the office of governor I hear cricket I'll send it three times uh, one week apart because that's basically how um, Noah sent the abatement Uh, when it says that he sent blackbirds, about 10 days worth of blackbirds, and it wasn't doing anything, I think it's in chapter 8 of Genesis. And I, I prayed for that information, and I got it because I didn't know how to do it. And I was doing this for a woman who didn't complete it, uh, yet... I did the same thing for a man in San Antonio, Texas, who did complete his work, and he did three copies, and it worked. It shut down his, um, this abatement shut down his, um, his um, a debt charge to a credit card company. And he never heard another word from them. And that's been awesome. several years now. And I've done two statutory, non-contentious, non-well, non, um, not public abatements. And they've both worked. 
and I send it to the uh, office of county attorney here because I live in the county. I don't live in a city. And um, uh, the office of county attorney, the office of clerk of court, and the office of presiding judge. And I send each abatement one week apart for three weeks. And that's been successful. And I've not entered it into a court case because I don't, I don't want anything to do with a court case. And when I called the, um, the clerk of court, uh, she said it was suspended out of time. What that means, I don't know what that means legally. But I just tried it. And I sent each copy, or each duplicate, I should say, because I don't send copies. I send duplicates of, my, of, of the prayers. Each prayer I'll make to Heavenly Father once because all he makes, all he makes us do is uh, say the prayer once. And I send... I send them a copy of the Lord's Prayer, which is in Matthew chapter 6. And plus, I've taken one page and I've asked three questions. And if the opposing counsel can't answer one of those questions, then one of the first questions I ask is, who is the state of Arizona. Well, everything's made in the state of Arizona as far as their court system goes. And the fact that state of Arizona isn't a who. What? It's a what? And then I ask two more questions. And if they come back and they have answers to three of those questions and those are fulfilled, I just send another abatement with more questions. One single page abatement. Is one of the other questions whether or not there's a contract between uh, you and whomever? There could, it could be. And is there a third-party interloper? There is no contract. Nice. There is no contract in land commerce and in water commerce. There's just the you know there's there's only one contract signed by the signer and it's not signed by anybody else. 
It's unilateral. Yes. And that's not a legal contract from the beginning. And it wasn't until I learned that. So I didn't sign any legal contract. I may think it's a contract, but once I recognize that it wasn't a contract, I, I haven't signed any contract. And if they call it a unilateral contract, I don't consider it a contract. Right. And I don't, I, I don't sign it I, since I've uh, recognized that none of them are really contracts anyway then I haven't really made an arrangement with them because they've been bankrupt my whole entire life. Yep. So I'll do one uh, when I get ready to do all of the utilities and I'll just put charge discharge and whatever that is. I'm just going to put whatever it is. I'm not going to put charge and offset because they can change the words anytime. They can change the way they set things up anytime. But the system really doesn't have any money either. No. So it's just a matter of of how we do it and when we do it and whether we get it done in time. <laughs> have you have you heard that uh, all postal money orders are backed by gold? Uh, I've heard that, but I don't know if I believe it or not because I've never seen any gold. <laughs> And and I've seen commercials on TV, but I've never seen any gold coins. And I don't see any silver coins anymore either. Right. And I wouldn't even know what their money is. I've heard that it's nothing but Federal Reserve notes, and you can can, uh, change it, but why change it when all I have to do is charge and discharge? I thought... When I was imagining, I just take a letter to the office of governor for the state of Arizona, and I'd take it to everywhere. Oh, well, you say there's charge and discharge, and that everything is covered with charge or discharge, and I've written a letter to the office of governor, and here it is. <laughs> I'll see it Pardon? House Joint Resolution 192. Um, that has to do with A for V and discharge and offset. I don't. I don't know. I don't use any of their statutes. Right. It was just the remedy when they took the gold. They had to provide a remedy, and they claim that's the remedy. And it has to do with what well, you're talking about. Well, I would use what they claim. And I would state it as a question. Yes. 
did you did you say that um or does your does your system say that um public law one ninety two whatever it is um Um, pays for all the debt, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just make that one of uh, two or three questions that you ask. Yes. You have to know how to use the public law in that case, though because if you don't know how to stand in court, they'll start indicting you for up to 100 years imprisonment. Yeah, well, I've got an answer for that. I've got an answer for that, folks. When yeah, do you okay, guys realize it? Yeah, yeah, it's real simple. It's called Law 101 for a crime to have taken a place, which you get indicted for. You have to have both the intent and the act, the mens rea and the actus rea. This is criminal law 101. So no one can deny that an act occurred. But if every one of you, if you were engaging in anything, let your intent be known that it's not your intent to commit a crime and communicate it as such. And the reason I say this is because I've been saying this for years. I've used it and I've helped people to use it. And nobody I know that has done anything in attempting for any kind of remedy or relief or anything that Linda or you have actually discussed tonight, which is a little bit different than what Linda is talking about, actually quite a bit, um, which the uh, public law uh, is actually no longer in effect since uh, the 70s with 7310, but the public policy still is in effect. They haven't taken public policy out, and Congress has literally defined that they have not, they've not excuse me, the, the Congress has not defined money so we're still under the public policy, even though the past joint resolution through the 7310 is no longer in place specifically. They're still under the public policy of charge and discharge, as Linda was discussing. But you can take yeah. care of the intent. The intent is where um, if you have discussed ahead of time, like, hey, I'm intending to do this, and it's not my intent to break any known law, if there's something I'm doing that's not correct, would you please instruct me so that I can uh, be out of harm's way? Prior to doing something, you do that. Guess what happens? You've just taken away anybody's ability to indict you for any criminal intent. There's yes, your, there's your, there's your answer. It's important right, these, to... These wizards are mind readers, though, so they can mind read you and say you have intent. I'm kidding. Never mind. <laughs> but they they try to snowball you, and it's very and, and it's very hard to stand. Well, now it's easier, but at the time I've been through this. What you're saying is 100% accurate, and um, and that is a very good defense now. But again, somebody who just begins 101, uh, they don't know how to stand in court, and lawyers certainly don't help them. That's for sure. But I just described well, and keep you out. Yeah. No, I hear you, and I agree with you. That's that's definitely uh, gets them right at the gate. And my gate just happens to be the abatement. 
I put everything in the court when I start, when I go to court, I put everything in as, um, I just give it for free. And I don't expect any charges for it. And as long as I don't put it in their case, um, they're just fine with it. Um, I do have another question on a slightly different topic, if that's okay. Sure. I don't know if I can answer. <laughs> uh, and maybe Daniel can answer this too, uh, or anybody else on the call, but it's dealing with associations. I have a couple properties that are in an association, and I'm looking to cancel the contract and work through whatever system I need to to uh, get the deeds back from the uh, out of the registry if I can, or maybe doing the declaratory judgment. Um, but they are threatening to fine me just for having a little uh, shed on the, uh, the property. And I can't, uh, I can't take it off because I need it. And I've tried to work with them. And at this point, uh, and I have no trespassing signs on the property, and they have come on the property. So now I'm looking to take action back and send them a bill for trespassing because in my sign I do have entrance is acknowledgement and acceptance of your trespassing. And so I was just wondering your thoughts on associations and trespassing, and do I have a solid do you have any what's your thoughts on it that's what i'm thinking i'll bite on that one first let me ask you do you have a contract on relation to is this a a, a um association do you have a contract with um technically no i've been looking and looking um the only things that i can find signed were through a mortgage agreement which uh, those were through the uh, QWR method of disqualifying debt. I own them free and clear because they've never contested or come back and tried to, I've done the final estoppel and filed everything at the recorder. And this has been uh, about 10, 10 or 11 years ago. So I've had no issues with banks and that. As a matter of fact, there's no claims anywhere that I can find from these banks that used to be uh, I used to deal with. They like don't exist anymore. Um, so I was looking through one of the contracts, and in one of the mortgage agreements, it says something about the association. That's the only place I can find any contract that allegedly might have been signed, but that was uh, canceled because of fraud on its face. They weren't able to prove up any claims. So I'm, I say no, I don't have a contract, although I am going to follow through tomorrow to see if there's anything else at the office on it tomorrow. But to my knowledge at this point, there is no wet ink signature contract. That's the first thing I would do is I would do a demand for disclosure of the contract whereby the obligation arises. And before you dishonor a contract, of course, you want to know if you were there and then 
then we can talk about whether you knowingly, willingly, intentionally, with full disclosure of all the negative consequences thereof, or agreed to do an A, B, C, D, E, whether there was a meeting of the minds and whether there was a consideration and you know whether it was a lawful consideration and and uh, there was two parties and all the other ramifications that make a contract valid and then if it's conscionable and uh, so but I would the first step I would do on on anybody that's trying to impose an obligation would be um, you know doing the thing that Jesus did I always like to look good at the scriptures because it to me it's a law book not not yeah. just the book of spiritual afterlife but for the here and now and the and the thing that I like to refer to is when Jesus asked who do men say that I am and then the follow-up question is well who do you say that I am so to me that's the full disclosure of all the um, of all the elementary facts of any matter is well who is who who's men saying that I am here what's what's it being said I mean and then well, who are you saying that I am? Well, I'm the obligee, or you're the, you know, and you're the uh, obligor. Oh, okay, well, fantastic. Where did that arise from? Let's get, let's get it on the table here. So that'd be the step number one, and I suggest you come back, you know, in the next call and then address that. If someone's still trying to impose a contract that's not there, um, there are definitely things that you can do to address that. And uh, no trespass uh, with a signage on there. Who trespassed? To come on, is it code compliance? Was it the a homeowners association? Was the party it that was, uh, made the uh, uh, right? So there's a uh, the office is a construction company that the association goes through, and that's where their office is. And they had one of their workers uh, hand deliver uh, an envelope only with an address on it, and he clearly saw the signs and uh, trespass, and then you know, knocked on the door and handed them to me and walked away. But uh, did you have a close on the land? A what? Something we, I learned from the book of the hundreds. Um, um, did you have a close on the land or were you, did you have an open from the tar, uh, tar highway to your tar driveway? Was there, or was there a close there? There so, was not a close. So where, where, where were they did not trespass? Is it was it a you know visible sign that uh, he could see, and was it was there you know? So if you guys are going to try to do this um, kind of thing and keeping people off and what have you, you could practice a close. You can put it so that you know that the converse ends there at the tar highway, and you and you can learn that. Um, and also notice to people in writing. If you're trying to enforce a, um, uh, you know, this is private and this is separate and this is not uh, your commercial um, zone where you can come and, and play commerce here. Uh, of course, you can't be, uh, you can't uh, pick and choose. You have to be consistent. You know, make it, make it, make it non-commercial for everybody. So if I did uh, a cancellation or whatever, um, I also pay uh, yearly dues to have access to water, sewage, and garbage. So if I cancel, their threat, well, their threat is if I, if they start finding me, they're going to shut off my water. And Well, I think uh, that would have to be related to the homeowners, some kind of a homeowners of, um, agreement that they're alleging that right. is in place, obviously. 
Yeah, I think you. I think a little bit of uh, homework would have to be done on that before I could. I would be willing to, or I think anybody else potentially would be willing to address that without seeing sure. the provisions they're relying upon. Okay. Could I just could I just ask one question about the because in uh, where I live we have a lot of condo subdivisions and the developer usually holds on to the homeowners association until a certain amount of a certain percentage of dwellings or condos have been sold uh, up till that point the developer is in charge of the homeowners association here in in our state. So I was just wondering if that was similar in your state, and does he still own a significant number of yeah. the units? I actually, could... yes, I actually went to the that person who told me to do whatever I need to do if they're attacking me, because he is beyond that level now. He used to still have a certain, just like you're saying, a certain control of it, but now right. he does not. So, okay. no, he does, does not anymore. But that, I did go to him first because I figured he still has clout, and I used his name and his suggestion when I went to them nicely to suggest a, a two-year continuance and, 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 and stay off my back sort of thing. It, but uh, but they, they considered it, and uh, yesterday they let me know that I have basically 30 days. Otherwise, they're going to start finding me, I don't know, $50 per thing per day, whatever. So, yes. which <laughs> then if they ever took me to court, I could use the 1101 argument and saying they can't do anything. But um, if I wanted to, I mean, there's lots of other things. If people attack, there's ways to defend. But I want to address the alleged contract first because I don't have anything that I'm aware of, which, I, again, I'm checking, going to follow through tomorrow to see if there's anything that holds me uh, obligated to that. Yeah, so, and I want to comment that one ten one argument, we wouldn't go wait until you go to court to use it. You would send out a request of what they're asking for ahead of time. You wouldn't wait there and get your answer before you. When you, if, if someone's going to try to take you to court, so to say, um, the only way they can take you if a controversy exists. If you've resolved it that there is no controversy, there's no reason for court. If they can't determine what you owe, what species they're asking you, what they're asking, demanding from you, there is no controversy. The problem's on them. So ultimately, other people that like to war in court take them to court. For example, I know some folks in Texas that haven't paid property tax in um, over 10 years because they've demanded to know exactly what the collector was attempting to collect, and the collector does not respond. They do this in writing. And then when the collector does not respond, they take the collector to court. They don't wait to get taken to court. They take the collector to court, and, and uh, for them to define, they're, not, you know, they're putting a threat and a damage or a potential loss, and the collector won't respond. At that particular time, the administrative judge has no choice but to look at the collector and say, well, answer the question. And they're willing to pay. They're saying they would be happy to pay. As soon as you would explain exactly what they owe, they'll pay. And the collector doesn't come back and tell them because it's actually in their rules, Title 31, 31, 24, they can't tell you to pay a tax with military script Federal Reserve notes, and it's game over for the tax collector. 
So I'm aware of those situations, but it's done prior to going to court. Sure. Sorry, Colleen, if I broke in there. I thought it sounded like you were getting ready to say something. No, that's okay. I was just, I thought I had heard um, you say that you didn't have your uh, documents from for your homeowners association, and they might be uh, oh, I recorded. I have the documents. I see nothing in there. They, oh, what did you say? They might be recorded? Well, I was saying that the documents are probably recorded in the, the Bureau of Conveyances. I thought I had heard you didn't have a complete set of documents. Well, uh, I thought I had complete sets, and so, and I've, it's been a long time since I've been down to the county recorder, so I'm work, going to work on that just to make sure I have everything or not. So, uh, yeah, that's a good idea. And you can call an escrow agency, the one you use, or any escrow agency for a fee. They'll give you your documents, I think. They the should. Amendment. I don't see why not. And the amendment. Okay. Now, here's the other issue is I don't use a – any. I have – I, I use I have no mailing location, so uh, I'm working on setting up general delivery, um, and I'm in okay. the Wisconsin area, and uh, and Jeremy had called in and he was referring to me on the situation at hand, um, so uh, currently I'm still going to use general delivery but so I need an address to give these guys or a mailing location to give these guys so I'm just going to use the general delivery if they want to notify me because I won't let them use email and I won't let them call me and I won't let them hand deliver something that is null and void I mean it's it's not there's nothing official to it it just has doesn't even have a it has a couple words on it and that's it so there's no official process or nothing that they can do with me. Plus, I don't live here permanently. I travel around. So, I don't know. I, I, have, a, I general have a weird scenario. Yeah, general delivery sounds perfect to me. Right. Only that's why I was, I'm glad to hear what you had to say. It's a little bit different twist on things. So, I, I'm trying, and I've been to your website to look, see if I could find information on how you do I, you are the uh, Embassy of Heaven, right? Or what, isn't that your website or Kingdom of Heaven or something like that? Don't you have a website like that, Linda? Well, oh um, no, I just I just um, have an address. Um, I don't have current internet, so oh, okay. I don't have All any right. of those. So I just assumed that you were affiliated with that. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know where I got that. Well, I, I do. I, I put on all of my documents, Kingdom of Heaven, Court of Record, and then I put the prayer for the prayer um, that I write to Heavenly Father, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it, even as it is in heaven. And then give us this day is where I put uh, our daily bread and um, possession and use of fill in the blank. Right. So you don't use, 
I, I have your documents that you had shared before, but you don't have a website then that you utilize. Is um, that um, I have um, the Florida by Shadow at gmail dot com. That's all I have. Oh, okay, okay. Then that's that's my error for even thinking that. I apologize. Um, okay. So anyhow, yeah, so I'm still going to go ahead and use general delivery, but I'm also taking action against, uh, I have a feeling they're going to reject the general delivery and return the mail for some reason, which is a violation under their rules. Under uh, It's a violation under Title 18. So um, hopefully much? they don't do that. So anyhow, oh, I have several things going on, but I, I need some kind of mailing location um, for people to work with me. So can you use a different post office? What's that? Can you go to a different post office? I you don't have to I've go to, to post Yeah, none of them what see, and I was under the impression that you have to have per permanent general delivery, you need their permission. None of them are giving permission and I've gone through their public law uh, 91375 and uh, subsection 4041 see this that been through their domestic mail manual they said they only hold it for 30 days I said I understand you I, I agree you hold it for 30 days but that doesn't mean you don't provide the service for more than 30 days you are charged to deliver my mail period so um, and that so those are the arguments and they want one good reason why I want general delivery, and the reason I give them is so it doesn't uh, uh, hinder my status as an American. And that's my answer to them. And they said, well, that's not good enough. I said, well, then we have a problem. And I have had this issue in Illinois, and I've had now this issue in in Wisconsin, but yeah, I can keep poking around and keep trying and trying and trying, or I can make a, a little, a few little issues for them, which I don't want to do. But, um, but anyhow, that's where I'm at. If I may, yes. Yeah, I never. I, I get mine at the small town rather than at the city, but I never asked for permission or anything, and uh, uh, they're friendly and helpful, and they see me in line, and they bring my mail out before I get to the front of the line even. And that's I'm not using general post office. That's general delivery. But I didn't ask yeah. for permission first. I, right. I just uh, started getting mail there. Well, I guess that's the approach I should have just taken. And so that's what I'm kind of doing now. I have uh, mail being, a post being sent to me, and then I'm going to go pick it up and, and start the process anyhow, of picking it up there. So I don't know what else to do at this point because I need to have something established so that I can move forward in, in a couple other areas. So. Um, all right. Well, thank you. 
Well, good luck. I'll keep, I'll keep you guys posted. Thank you. Just for the record, uh, I don't believe in luck. I watch by faith. <laughs> You're so right. I don't even know why that came out of my mouth. I, I've been trying never to ever say that, and I just said it to all you guys. I'm sorry. I say you're lucky to have I interpreted it as many blessings. Yes, many blessings. Thank you. <laughs> well, anybody else got a question or a comment? I just wanted to take the moment to thank you, Daniel, for taking over um, for Don David's call here. You did an excellent job. Uh, it's always a pleasure listening to you and learning from you. And, um, and our prayers uh, constantly go out for you, your family, and your dog. How is your dog doing? I, I didn't get on at the beginning if you did mention that. So, Well, thank you for asking about Lucy. Um, Lucy has us paralyzed, and we're not sure why. And um, But our prognosis was going to a... Um, uh, surgery, surgical facility for animals, and they wanted uh, 6000 just to uh, run the surgery. That's not post-operative care what have you. It was basically a toss of the coin on whether they can do something for her and the possibility of death during surgery. So that wasn't that encouraging um, <clears throat> as far as um, saving the, the companion animal that we've, we've grown to love. So we decided to um, go other routes, and so we're feeding her in a food that's more conducive to the animal in the wild, well, you know, organ meats for nutrition for the for the uh, dog and uh, keeping her contained. Uh, there has been reports, somebody um, that I'm aware of that sometimes frequencies call that said that after surgery found out that it was a an option to contain the uh, the animal, the dog for for movement for potentially six, and I've heard eight weeks, potentially that long, um, uh, and and the bulging disc could, you know, could be corrected by not allowing the dog to move and jump and what have you. So we're using nutrition, chiropractic care, of course, prayer, love, and organ meat right now, and we're seeing some results, very slow, but some results. She's still paralyzed. Uh, she's now learning to pull herself around. Looks sort of like a ghost um, sliding through the, you know, life. Um, this morning we had her on the front lawn, getting her a chance to get some fresh air. Someone drove up and she dragged her body right across the pavement. We thought she would have pulled the skin right off her, her flesh, but she did just fine. But she's getting she's getting around on those front two legs. She's going to look like Popeye with two front legs that are huge, and the back legs are sort of diminishing right now. So we try to work them, but there's no no way to get the uh, the muscle mass in there if the, the legs aren't working. So it's really an interesting equation. And, you know, last resort, Dave sent me a little uh, link for some, you know, doggy wheels, what have you, so that they can get around and and uh, they seem to have a happy life sometime with a little, you know, little wheelchair in the back. But we're hoping to be able to avoid that and, and maybe she can have a happy coexistence with us as a companion in the family Um as we just continue to give her care. Thank you for asking. 
Yeah, well, we'll continue to pray for you. Well, that's good. Lucy, you hear that? You're getting prayers. Many, Amen. many prayers. It was a learning experience. You know, I wasn't expecting, you know, I, I know the hospital establishment is crooked and, 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 you know, the administration is all about the dollar, but for some reason I had my blinders on going to the veterinarian clinic, and it was just really a, a weird experience. I didn't realize that the dollar sign is even more prevalent here with animals than it was for people or as, but um, with the... the uh, the assistant that came out and was discussing with us, saying, well, what kind of pain medication are you giving her? And, you know, we described it. He goes, oh, that's the very, very best one. That's good because all these other ones don't work. I'm glad you're giving her that one because, you know, these other ones, they didn't do a thing for the animals. So I'm so glad you're giving her that. And so we went and I went to pay my bill. We weren't able to get the surgery that day. They wanted to take the dog without any kind of um, um, imaging or anything like that. Just, no, nope, we're just going to do surgery. Go right from imaging to surgery. There's no second opinion, you know, looking at it, and once we put her down for, uh, you know, anesthesia to, to do the imaging, that's it, she's going right into surgery, so you don't have any options to consider. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Well, I don't happen to have six grand with me today, so that's not happening, and we walked out, tried to get, pay the bill and leave. They said, hey, you know, he wants to come back and talk to you, come back in the office, and we went back, and said, what's this all about? He says, well, we just wanted to see before you left whether or not you want to give your dog a uh, you know, uh, an injection for pain. I looked at him and said, "Excuse me? Yeah, you, we, we, you know, it's only sixty bucks. You can give her a shot for pain." I said, "Didn't you just tell me that we're giving her the very best pain medication, and that's the very best thing that works out?" I don't understand this. I mean, you got a Kirby back and clean it back there. You're going to try to sell me next? Anyway, I didn't actually say that, but I did think that. <laughs> that's crazy. It was really crazy. I was like, I got to get out of here, man. They're they're looking at my wallet and they're and they're starting to drool. Interesting experience. So it's prevalent, you know. The um, the the uh, you know that was a, a bit of a a fraudulent situation that I saw from a veterinarian hospital, and apparently they they do really well. They're pranked, you know, they've expanded three times. It's just a huge facility in Tulsa, and it's just you know. It, it's it's a very big hospital just for animals, and um, third third expansion and and they're just buzzing, full place. Oh, anyway, not quite related to our story, but you know our our purpose of this how to win in court without a liar. But um, thank you for the encouragement, and I was I was blessed to be able to share these things with you. You know I'm doing it here in my local area. I participated with an assembly, not like these other assemblies that are trying to uh, be politically motivated and, and take over and um, remove people from office. Nothing like that. We operate as a um, as an assembly for trust with uh, with that's for the people and uh, the welfare of the, of the people being the supreme law of the land. We hold the rights of people um, from the littlest, um, the unborn, to the uh, to the elderly as um, their, their welfare, we've, we've created as our res that, we've cre- that we have admitted ourselves, indentured ourselves as trustees too. And so I participated in an assembly here at Arkansas, which is tremendous, and, and seeing that going. And uh, um, this, is, this is what we do. 
we have to do it right now. When when are we going to do it if we don't do it now? So thanks for the encouragement of, of the, being encouraged about my message. I wasn't sure if I was going to lose everybody because I used to be a preacher, and I noticed I got a little bit preachy on you all. I'm talking about a pastor-type preacher. I'm still a preacher, but I my, my ministry has kind of changed a little bit. Your message was well-received. Absolutely. Oh, thank you, Colleen. Amen. Amen. Well, we've got about, got about 15 minutes left. Dave would be disappointed if we didn't end at 9. You know, we we got 15 more minutes. Any other topics? Was I able to make myself clear? Yes, you did oh, a wonderful yes. job, Linda. Thank you. Thank you. I well, I'd like to invite everybody. Sorry, go ahead. I I started all this kind of weird because I didn't have anything outstanding. I didn't have anything with the courts, and I started out with non-statutory, non-contentious abatements, and that where I think I'll do most of my work is with abatements. So when I put in David's, um, um, he's helping me with a declaratory statement or declaratory judgment, I'll be putting it in by way of abatement through the, um, the county here and through the, um, the state, uh, the governor's office. Um, to see how that will work. I'd be interested in that and seeing how well that works. But I plan on doing everything uh, eventually when I get going again. I plan on doing everything through their, through charge and discharge because that's the way they have everything set up anyway, being that everything is bankrupt. (laughs) Exactly. And so I'll just, for instance, like I'll have a a charge-discharge or a charge-offset letter that I have written to the, um, a series of three letters, uh, one week apart, that I've written to the um, Office of Governor um, that I'll just um, wave around. (laughs) And see how it works. Well, I'm excited. Well, I'll keep everybody informed. Yes, thank you. Thanks. Because I really don't think you have to do anything through land or water 
I think you can operate from the air from the get-go. And that's what I've done with the abatement by going in through um, through the office of the county, the county offices, uh, to the county attorney, to the clerk of court, and to the presiding judge. That's what I've had the most efficient luck with. And that's all I have to say. Well, okay, everybody, we've got about 13 minutes left. You know, Dave likes to let you have all the way till 9, and I don't want to disappoint him. <laughs> but, if but if there's nothing else, I have no problem with uh, saying goodnight to everybody and had a great night fellowship with you all. Um, Thursday night, the House of Prayer call um, is going to be on this Thursday. Everybody's got an invitation to join. They have been pretty decent, if I may say so. Thankfully, Dave is a regular attendee on that as well. Okay. I can't hear that. What was that? All right, everybody, I wish you all a grand evening, a good night, and, and Godspeed. And uh, until, uh, until next uh, Sunday when uh, Dave comes back on how to win in court without a liar, everybody be blessed. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be your moderator tonight. Be well. I want to wish you all a good night. Thanks, Daniel. Thank good night, Daniel. Yes, Thank good night, Lindsay. Good night, Tom. Good night, everybody. If I don't know your names, be blessed. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.